Once you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. God is change. Welcome back. Beloved listeners, we are here for Octavia E. Butler's Parable of the Talents, Chapter 8. And I am your co-host, Adrian Marie Brown. And I'm Toshi Regan. <laughs> I was <laughs> I just staring at you. just looking at me beaming like... I just was looking at you and I got lost in your eyes. <laughs> I was just like, oh. I know, I'm like, you just love me. <laughs> yes, this is true. You do, and I love you. So, do you have any announcements for the people this this week? Yeah, I'm going to be doing um, a collaboration with uh, California Shakespeare Theater. And um, that's uh, where our director, Eric Ting, director of um, Parable, Octavia E. Butler's Parable of the Sower, the opera, is artistic director. And I think that that's going to be... I feel like the last weekend of, of um, April and um, okay. we'll put exact dates in the notes, but they go by Cal Shakes. Very cool place. And I'm really want, and they're in the Bay area and I really want to do um, Parable of the Sower there. It's outdoors. Yes, and I just, I just see a whole way that community is all up in this out there outside. So uh, that is one of my dreams, is to get us at Cal Shakes. I don't know if it'll happen, but I am going to dream it forward. I love that dreaming. That's yeah. one of my favorite things. Um, I am going to make this announcement that I'm pretty sure will be right on time when it comes out. But if it's not, it, it's like almost on time. Which is, all of last season, I was unveiling the team members for the Octavia E. Butler tarot deck. And... Um, we've been steadily working on it and we're really excited. It's coming out this year. And by the time chapter eight comes out, I believe that we will have a pre-order link up for you and you'll be able to go what? ahead and order your tarot deck and a portion of the proceeds will be going back to the estate to support their ongoing work to build Octavia's legacy. Um, we have a thick team of artists. So we've got uh, six artists who are creating the visuals of the deck which might expand to eight because there's this this piece with the herbs that we're like, we want herbs. We need the herbs. We need visuals of the herbs everywhere. So yeah. uh, there might be two more artists, one of whom is 12 <laughs> years old, but I'll unveil all that Let's as it lands. It. And we are so geeked out. This team is blowing my mind every day uh, with the art that they're producing. Because, you know, tarot is really what you see and your own interpretation. And we're just bringing Octavia into the dance with that. So I'm really excited about that project and uh, all the moving parts and how they're landing. And we're being very well managed right now by Yashna. <laughs> so I'm just <laughs> I'm geeked. That's beautiful. Um, and here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Chapter eight. And we are going to start back with Lauren's child. Yeah, and we're also in a new year. We are now in the yep. year, all right, where you are. We are in the year 2033. We are moving right along and from Earthseed, the books of the living. Partnership is giving, taking, learning, teaching, offering the greatest possible benefit while doing the least possible harm. Partnership is mutualistic, symbiosis. Partnership is life. Any entity any process that cannot or should not be resisted or avoided must somehow be partnered. Partner one another. Partner diverse communities. Partner life. Partner any world that is your home. Partner God. Only in partnership can we thrive, grow, change. Only in partnership can we live. I don't know. I feel like waving the church fan right now after that one. <laughs> Every single time, I'm just like, back to them. Uh, uh, here we go. Chapter 8 from Earthseed, the Books of the Living. Purpose unifies us. It focuses our dreams, guides our plans, strengthens our efforts. Purpose defines us, shapes us, and offers us greatness. 
Ah, Lauren's child is bringing us into this. She's sure she's she's not entirely sure why she spent so much time looking at her mother's life before she was born. She is just looking at her scholarship and why that's so important to her. Yeah. But there's one thing that that she is she has she has chipped in on this. Should Bancoli and Lauren stay at Acorn or should they move to Halstead? And she says she should have left Acorn and gone to live in Halstead as my father asked. Of course, she should have. And if she had, would she, my father and I have managed to have a normal, comfortable, comfortable lives through Jared's upheavals? I believe we would have. My father called her immature, unrealistic, selfish, short-sighted, <laughs> short-sighted of all things. Uh, if there are any sins in earth seed, short-sightedness, the lack of forethought is the worst of them. We hear on January 16th, Sunday, January 16th, 2033. So Lauren and Bancoli um, actually go to Halstead to see mm-hmm. it. It's this whole conversation around dogs because like people have dogs as pets and Lauren is not here for that. The dogs are not your friends in Lauren's world, but Bancoli loves them. And um, he he comes from an era um, where lots of people had dogs, he had dogs growing up and he's not afraid of them. And yep. they go to visit and Lauren is saying cold and windy Halstead for a couple of days. And um, she warned him that she didn't think it would do much good, uh, but he is he is determined. And um, <laughs> she generously went and said, all right, you know, how much she going to say no to something she didn't actually know what it is. So she goes and she looks at it. They have modern plumbing. Like it is, it is amazing. Um, they have their beautiful homes. And um, even though for that community, it it's it's been a struggle. It's not like a struggle like Acorn. And it's not a struggle like, you know, being on the highway. And now um, most of their struggles have to do with their community aging and some of their practitioners not being available. And of course, the houses falling off into the sea because they should not have been there in the first place. But during this this trip, Lauren meets one of the the people who are thinking about leaving, and they are going to Siberia. And uh, <laughs> Siberia is not the Siberia we think about because no. we're thinking like the cult where they put you know even Bancoli in the book says that's where you put the you know all of the, the people you didn't like you just send them to Siberia like it's the threat exactly. you are going to go to Siberia you know I know lots of musicians who played in Siberia and I've always been like what's it like you know yep. but um they're moving to Siberia because that's going to be a better opportunity for their children and so that's how Lauren and Bancoli can can get a hold of this house and a, a new a new thing is that they are also willing to offer Lauren a job as a teacher. And, you know, this is a conversation Lauren is just really not into. She's like, well, I have a high school diploma. And they're like, they don't care. Like you, you know, I told them how you built a school and a library and everything, but they're not going to be able to pay her any money. And I think this is the undercurrent of a lot of the stories in this particular book is like, what is currency and how does it, how does it show up and how does it support so what they are willing to do is when Bancoli dies, assuming that Lauren will live longer than him, she can keep the house and the garden if she's also a teacher. And that's that's her. That's how she'll get paid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Lauren is like, no, it's a no. It's a no, 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 no. <laughs> it's such a hard no. Yeah. But when they return back, you know, there's more conversation and and Marcos thinks that's terrible and that she's just, you know, she's not being reasonable and she should totally move. But it gets spread around the community. So Grayson, or they call him Gray in this book, Gray is like, I heard you leaving. And she's like, I'm not leaving. You know, then Zara is like, I heard you leaving. And Zara really is upset with her because she thinks she just didn't let her in on something and she's sneaking out. But yeah. when she finds out that she's not leaving, Sarah's like, you should leave. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> she's like, you got to get out of here. And they have, you know, kind of a sister conversation. Like, no, you should, you should not be trying to have your baby up in here. Like, you know, go get out of here and go do something else. And Lauren's like, you wouldn't go. Like, why should I go? You, you wouldn't go. They go back and forth. Um, it's really a, a very challenging um, intersection. Like this is not like the last chapter where there just was, it's just very dense and every word is a revelation, but it is, you know, we're getting set up for a really particular kind of crossroads. Yes. And this isn't maybe, you know, I call this a family chapter. This is like where you start to hear from multiple people in the family on one particular issue. Mm -hmm. Do you stay or do you go if you have an opportunity? And then you also have, um, this administration coming in and and really now having their inauguration and this this person America God shed His grace on thee and God bless America and one nation indivisible under God and patriotism law order um, sacred honor flags everywhere Bibles everywhere people waving one of each <laughs> um, he's basically preaching a sermon while he's getting um, inaugurated and. He says in, in almost the same breath, he spoke of both the generosity and the love that we must show to one another, to all of our fellow Christian Americans, and the destruction we must visit upon traitors and sinners and those uh, destroyers in our midst. So right from day one, um, Jared is letting you know there's going to be murder and brutality all across the land, because unless you are... Uh, a Christian in the light, in his particular light, you are against them, and you will, you will be abolished. So, it is a very, uh, a very deep thing. And um, the other thing that's that's happening is that Mark Marcus wants to preach. He is like, I'm ready for my moment. I'm not asking. I'm telling you, I want to do it. And at first, he's kind of like going to Bancoli, like, I'm a preach. And Bancoli's like, well, don't be sneaky. Like, go and talk to your sister. And yeah. so they have a conversation, and Lauren invites him to to preach at the gathering. The gathering is is like a cool place, but that's like a big step. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, for real? Like, you're not setting me up? And she's like, no, you, you can. But you're going to get asked questions. You know, you're going to get you're you're you know you're not going to just be allowed to talk 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 and everybody just listen and not get to say anything back and he's mm. very clear i'm not talking about earthy i want to preach i want to do my thing he wants to talk about the lord he wants to get down and um they negotiate what that's like and lauren really tries to tell him like it's not a joke like you know be ready and he's like yeah i'm gonna be ready so um, he's scheduled to preach and he gets up there and he is, uh, you know, as Lauren says, not pulling any, any punches. He confronts them. He challenges them directly from the Bible, from Isaiah. Uh, he says, the grass went in it, went withered, the flower fadeth, but the world of our God will stand forever. Then from Malachi, for I am the Lord, I change not. And then from the Hebrews, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever, be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines. So it's it's on, and I'm definitely putting a song right here called God Don't Never Change. Willie God, God don't never change.
so of course, once he, you know, says all of these these things, everybody has something to say back. And he has a little rival going with Jorge, and so they go go around with it. But he basically just gets he gets showed. Yep. Like yeah. he didn't actually put a lot into his his sermon. He didn't. Yeah, he didn't. He, wasn't he didn't come up with it. Wasn't. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so he gets he gets told, and some folks is like, "Yo, you know, that's not it." By the end of it, you know, people are being gentle with him and trying to show him like where his holes were. Could it be a teaching moment for him? But um, he's not with it. And at the end of it, you know, Lauren feels bad, but I I think a little bit, even though Lauren's intention wasn't to set him up, I think she knew that he would not he would not really come in a way that he needed to come in order to deal with that particular group. I don't That's know right. if there was a, a different opportunity she could have offered him, but <laughs> she's yeah. like, no, yeah. you want to do your thing, do your thing. Let's see. So now instead of feeling important and proud, he feels angry and embarrassed. And she says, I had to let him inflict those feelings on himself. I couldn't let him begin to divide Acorn. More important much more important, I couldn't let him begin to divide Earthseed. And that is chapter eight. Mm, 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 mm. As in like a billion questions. I'm like, <laughs> very few questions over here. And I, I just keep feeling myself like in awe of Octavia's mastery and mm. like brilliance as a writer because there's so many things that she's juxtaposing on like multiple levels at the same time and asking us to contend with. And, but I just want to start out with the Earthseed around partnership, the thinking around partnership. Um, at the beginning of this, my first question is, who are you in intentional partnership with? And also, who are you in unintentional or unnamed, unacknowledged partnerships with? And then how are you at partnering with others? Right? Like, how are you at, at partnering with? What are you willing to bring and let go? Um, where do you push? Where do you soften? The instruction on partnership here feels really important. And it's something that I often think we don't think about until we're in it. Mm. And I, this is one of the things, like, if I was recreating a schooling system from the ground up, <laughs> it would be like a year on collaboration, a year on partnership, <laughs> a year on mm-hmm. things you actually need when you're a grown-up. And then as Lauren's child continues to ask questions about how Lauren moved, it brings me this question, which I think we all can sit with, is what mistakes do you think your parents made? Mm -hmm. What mistakes do you think your parents made? Like, where would you be like, oh, I think you could have done this differently or that differently for whatever impact it would have had on your life, but also on their work. And then if you have children, what choices are you making now or have you made that you think will be most challenging to them um, Mm. as they get older and they're reflecting? I like, I think you said this sometime early, early on this season, but just like that, it's not a question of will my children (laughs) have some critique of me? It's what will the critiques be? Yes. And so as I'm reading this, I'm like, oh, I want this child to be so much more generous with Lauren, but I'm also like, Am I generous enough with my mother, (laughs) you Mm. know? Um, And how generous would I be if I felt like she hadn't been there? Like, I'm very blessed. I had a very, very present mother. You had a very present mother, Um, you know, and I I have loved many people who did not have that. And so there's just a lot. I think there's a lot that goes into those, those relationships and questions. So we're back at this question of staying or going. Mm-hmm. And I would love for you, if you are reading with a group, if you are reading with a cohort, to sit and do a cost-benefit analysis for you all as a group between Halstead and Acorn. And really talk about, like right now, if you had the choice of moving to an Acorn-like spot where you were living very much on the land, composting toilets, uh, makeshift shelters, and you know, very much a natural border, not not a ton of um, security, but you were on the land, you were farming, um, and you were with people who you had a shared belief system with, right? That's on one side, and Halstead is the other. It's people with some divergent belief systems, but 
much more um, structurally in place in terms of home and, you know, basic needs being comforting and comfortable and, and all those kind of things, jobs, structures like that. Um, which would you choose if your group was like, we're, we're trying to figure this out right now? Or would you see a split that some of you should go to one and some of you should go to the other? Mm. So just have that talk amongst yourself. Do you understand Lauren's choices and her priorities as you're reading this? And particularly, and I want us to talk about this a little, have you ever had an idea or something that you created that felt as precious to you as a child or as family? Mm. That's, that's cool. Um, yeah. I, you know, I wonder, I wanted to ask you as someone who has, has, you've gotten to parent and you've gotten to make a lot of music, a lot of creative projects. Um, do you understand that feeling? Yeah, I really do. But I don't know. I mean, Octavia makes Lauren so strong. Like it's, it's, she's so strong. Even um, Zara's like really trying to let her know that she's she's like our seat is like a begin you're at a beginning place yes and she's like you know almost like you're not gonna finish it here like yeah. it's you know you put it out and you're cultivating but this is this is is this is early in the process and I think it's it's so interesting to have that reflection like it's okay for you to go and like do something else you could go away for a year or you could go away, you know, like there's a way to think about it. It just Long doesn't have to be like, yeah, I, I think parable is one of those things that I was like, I'm going to do this. Like it's going to happen because we worked on it so long. Then the first time it didn't work, we were, we really, you know, I've just believed in it so much, but I had no idea how to do it. Um, but it, uh, it really, it just was always on my mind. And, and I really was, I felt super strong. I was just looking for the littlest thing that would be like, okay, come and we'll try. And that's what it was. It was like a small thing, you know, that said, well, all right, let's try and see what will happen. And, you know, as a parent, I know when Tishan is probably got great analysis on my fuck ups and, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I because I know, definitely, very bright. yeah, you know, she's very bright, and I definitely have them. And she's she is very she is very good at at like looking at systems and saying like where they where things worked and where they didn't, and you know, and what could have been different. Like uh -huh. that's uh -huh. pretty much like you know, I don't know. There's a whole bunch of those. I don't need to list them, but <laughs> yeah, but that that thing that's about a gift. Like, that's a gift. Yeah. yeah. But that thing, that question of like, what do you, what is that, that drives you through your life, you know, and, and that you, you might to a certain point almost be careless because you're so determined that it has to happen and it has to happen in a certain and particular way. You know, I don't know. I don't think I have anything as, as strong as like the character of Lauren is written. I have, I have things I believe in as strongly but I don't have that they have to happen. And I pretty much know because I'm Bernice's daughter who told me if you're not replacing yourself, you're not actually doing your work on the planet. So I pretty much know it's not going to be finished by me. Like, yes. <laughs> you yes. know, I've been in a state of, of, of understanding that. So and I don't think Lauren Lauren has that yet. She's still very, you know, young in her practice. And so I think it's hard for her to see that the fluidity that's around her, you know, yeah. and it's also understandable totally. to, to see that she can't see it. I feel so many ways about this one. Cause I feel like I, I see people, I mean, first I see people whose purpose is to parent, like, mm -hmm. and you can see it, you can feel it. You can feel it in the children that they're raising, that they have raised. I, I believe my mom is one of those people, like her, her primary purpose um, has been to parent and she dedicated herself to it very fully and now grandparenting <laughs> you know it's just like she's like mm -hmm. oh, my job is loving people um so much so that like other people have come into my life and they end up with my mom <laughs> your like, mom's you know, awesome <laughs> in just a relationship with my mom right and they call her they text her they 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 need her they want her to know about their major life 
things like that. She's just mm-hmm. mom is what she's up to. Um, and she other, she does other things and she does them very competently. But that passionate calling, it you know, that she knew from very early in her life was that she was meant to parent. And I never felt that passionate calling to parent. And um, I have felt that passionate calling to move ideas in the world and that the ideas were super precious. And I have felt very blessed because because I didn't have the, I wasn't split, you know, there wasn't something else pulling me. It was just like, just write, just put the ideas out, just serve and learn the lessons you need to learn in order to do, move this idea into the world. And so with Lauren, you know, I'm like, the thing I think that separates me from someone like Lauren is that I had space to put my ideas out while not in crisis. So if I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, everything is like completely falling apart. I have nothing no safety net underneath me and emergent strategy needs to move out into the world, I think I would maybe orient towards it very differently um, because it feels so true. You know, to me, emergent strategy is like, I just like, there's nothing to argue about. It's just, this is how the world is. And I'm, I'm one of the many people supposed to help us see that. And I trust, I trust it to want to be seen and for that, to, you know, I'm like, I am in service to the way the world wants to be seen. And I'm not the only one responsible for that work. Whereas I feel like Lauren does feel at this stage that she is the one who is responsible for making sure that, that this shift happens. So there's these dynamics where I'm like, yes, I have an idea that feels that precious to me. But I think a lot of people have this without acknowledging it. Because if you look at how people spend their life's hours I think it speaks to, you know, our time is the ultimate resource that we are budgeting out in our lives and where we pour our time and our attention. That's what we grow in our life. That's what we are dedicating ourselves to. So a lot of people who I'm like, you may not think you have a purpose or a creative idea, but you give the majority of your waking hours to something, mm-hmm. right? Maybe it's mm-hmm. to making money. People don't necessarily want to acknowledge that, you know, but... It might be to that. It might be to changing the world or saving the world. It might be to your family. It might be to rescue. Mm. You know, there was definitely a period of my life, if I look back, you know, with that lens, I'm like, there was a period of my life where I felt like rescuing individuals and stopping individuals from harm. And that was my purpose. <laughs> you know? um, so I get, I get super curious about this is like, what are the ideas for which I have been like, I am going to be late to the family gathering or I'm going to miss mm-hmm. this birthday or I'm going to do this because what we're doing in movement is so important right now and I have to prioritize it. Like we're, you know, I have said the words <laughs> to my family, like we're making history this weekend <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I'm not going to be able to like, right? And at the moment, <laughs> if you said it, I wouldn't have been like, this is more important than my family because it's not how I feel. Right. But I do feel it's on par. I do feel like what I'm I'm trying to contribute to black liberation is on par with the love that I feel Amen. in my family. And I feel like their love back to me is an understanding of the importance of that work. Right. Yes. And so that I think is one the I think the invitation I would be in here is like if you have not found that idea yet, keep looking. Mm. Like don't just stop where you are and think that that's all there is. There, there are so many incredible, gorgeous, brilliant ideas and ways of being and ways of orienting and ways of being in community. And keep looking until you find one that doesn't just kind of fit, but really enlivens you. You're like, oh, I want to bring this into the world. This feels like purpose for me. Mm. Even if the thing is, I want to raise my child <laughs> to think these things, <laughs> whatever it That's is, right? right? Um, good. Thank you for engaging that question with me, Toshi. Because I was of like, Ooh, is it okay to say this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, my next one is small, but I keep coming back to Lauren drawing. And she mentions mm-hmm. it a few times that it is becoming um, a practice for her that allows her both to relax and have a new level of attentiveness. And it feels like to me, this is her finding a meditative practice. Like, something that she can do that allows her to like drop into a different level. Um, Cause I can't quite imagine Lauren just sitting. Right. Like, yeah. so my question for, 
for our listeners is what is your artistic release and do you have a form of active meditation, like something that you do that calms you and shifts your attentiveness and do you recognize it as potentially a meditative activity, even if mm. it doesn't necessarily look like one, right? Because there's some people who are like, if you're not sitting, just breathing in and out, that's not meditation. But I, I tend to the other direction. I'm like, if it's increasing your mindfulness and it's, it's deepening your sense of being present, I think it, it qualifies. All right. Yeah. And then my final question today, and this might be a set of them. So this is another chapter that makes this very interesting juxtaposition of how do we deal with opposing worldviews when we come in contact with them. So we see it at two different levels. Lauren refuses Marcus's own services, but then invites Marcus to make an offering at the gathering. So that's how she's like engaging this opposing worldview that her brother represents. And concurrently, Jarrett calls for the destruction <laughs> of those that he calls traitors, sinners, destroyers in our midst. So that's how Jarrett is calling for destruction. And in both instances, both moments, Isaiah is being quoted, right? Mm -hmm. And Isaiah is the person who's willing to destroy it all in some ways, in, is a character in the Bible who was willing to do that. So my question for those who are listening um, and for us as, at a collective and movement level is how do we manage opposing worldviews? Do we invite them in? Do we give them space? Um, perhaps even if that means letting them show their shortcomings in the places where they're not fully fleshed or they don't stand on par? Do we orient towards them as things that need to be destroyed? Um, do we try to coexist with something that is trying to destroy us? Mm -hmm. um, do we try to set boundaries you know, towards it? Like she said, I can't let this begin to divide or seed. Um, I can't let this, you know, even though this is my family, this thing that I'm building is so precious, I cannot let what he represents come and divide it. And I don't think we've got a good answer to this right now. Like, I think... Um, because we've been living under such troll, trolling leadership that we have, I think almost at a generational level now, this is a generation mm -hmm. that I think might, we might look back and call it the troll era, um, <laughs> is that so much of what's happening is we're all trolling each other in yeah. the name of political engagement and the name of arguing and the name of righteousness and the name of all these things. And, um, and you know, if we see someone who opposes us, we shout them down, we try to correct them, we try to call them out, we try to cancel them, we try to do all these things to punish, punish, punish. And then in up close relationships, there's a lot of abandoning, walking away, disengaging. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I'm guilty of this too. And I'm like, okay, I don't think we figured this one out yet. And I think figuring it out is actually like this idea of partnering. How do we figure this out so that that embracing of diversity can happen at an ideological level? And what is the diversity that can coexist and what is the diversity beyond that? I think Lauren is really trying to say, Ursi can coexist with some other belief systems. And so there's room, um, but you have to be on your P's and Q's. You have to be ready to handle whatever questions come because Ursi is ready for questions. I have answers, yeah. I have thoughts. I mean, all of that that's that's so cool and and i i do think i love that she really started it with that very powerful partnership statement and it's almost like you know here's a swirly little chapter for you to ponder on yeah. <laughs> like so much is is happening and i think it's interesting too it, it, it's so layered you know lauren at the end of it she she knows she's sending marcos someplace that he's not ready to be sent to. Um, and, and there's this, you know, I didn't mention it before, but there's, there's them trying to, to get Marcos into the community and like teach him skills and things like that. And he's, he doesn't have a lot of patience for the process of learning, like step-by-step -step learning, you know, oh, you want to do this? Like you do this first and do this second and do this third and do this first. And he wants to do one and then be at six or one and that's be at right. eight. That's he wants right. it to be easy for him. And um that's how he approached his his speaking. And 
And that's why he just got, you know, but it, it's, it's interesting that, you know, Lauren is also afraid that he can like, you know, do something with Earthseed, that he could divide, divide the community and divide Earthseed. And because of that, I think he just got there. So it's just so interesting, like the, 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 the way the, she's stacking this tension and this, you know, this, this worry and this concern and almost like here's a little battleground. And I'm trying to figure out like who did Lauren make it or did Marcos make it, you know, like, who? <laughs> yeah, I mean, to me, Marcos, I, 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 ha- <laughs> I said this to you, but every time I say Marcos, I think subcomandante Marcos um, mm-hmm. of the Zapatistas. And I'm like, so different. But I, I think in this instance, the way I feel it is that Marcus, Marcus created the tension, but I think created it from a place of like traumatic response. So it's mm-hmm. like, okay, I've landed here. Everywhere else I've been has been torn away from me. Now I'm here and kind of like a testing. You know, there's a testing. Like, are you I want? Are you going to let me come in and really, like, be here and lead? And, like, there's an almost over-exertion because for so long he hasn't been able to speak. And so yeah. finally he's here in a place and he's like, I'm going to speak. I'm going to speak what I believe. And... Who knows what these past few years have been like for him trying to hold on to some kind of faith, right. belief, right? Who knows what it meant for him to have that Christian stability of belief through those periods to have someone to call on. You know, I, I read all that into it. I'm just like, this is who's been here when he needed it. Lauren wasn't there. You know, no one else was there. Like he was by himself and then he had God. And so I feel like that's playing out. I also think because because this is the only avenue to do so, that this is Octavia returning us to the battle that, that Lauren was in with her father. That's like, this is this fundamental, familial battle of faiths. And this is how things change, actually, is through intimate battle at the, at the level of family, um, is being able to say, like, even in this family, even at this proximity, we even when being raised in the same conditions, we can come to different beliefs and, and some of them can be looking backwards and some of them can be looking forwards. Some of them can be power over and some of them can be power with. And, you know, what Earthseed means to her, how, how, how much she still feels protective of it, it also makes me think about how sometimes people have to leave their whole family to find themselves. And then what happens when you then try to bring family into that space. You know, I I decided maybe five, six years ago that I wanted to really be a whole person, uh, which for, like, I had been living a very compartmentalized life. Like, I was like, I'm over here being my movement self, and then I'm over here being my auntie self with hella smushy, and then I'm over here being this other person, whatever. And then I was like, I want to just be whole, which I think happens to a lot of people like mid thirties, you start to be like, it's too exhausting to keep up all these different <laughs> things. Yeah. Like I'm just me. I'm consistently me. You're just going to get me all the time. And, um, which has meant bringing like recently my family was in a space that I think of as my spiritual home, um, my spiritual space. And my nibblings are just being themselves and like cracking jokes and like whatever. And I was just like, this feels so good to me that these children get to see me in my faith and leading meditation and these other things. And I'm also still their auntie and it's the same person, you know? Um, but back to this question of opposing worldviews, because I really think <laughs> I'm like, oh, you know, I think this is one of the places where I want us to develop the most rigor in movement space that we need to strengthen like true alignment comes from being able to actually contend with the fact that we have differences and that we work through them to find a way forward together. And I think right now we're being invited away from that actual contention, that actual debate, the actual negotiation of differences, the dialectical process that helps us actually find the way forward. And we're being invited to something that's just like binary, Everything is a binary. You're either on this side of it or you're all the way on this side of it. And 
you know, no one just fumbles anymore. It's always like, you're a good person, now you are bad, right? And it's like trying to pull people back from that precipice of, of binary thinking, which I think is fundamentally conservative, right? Back yeah. into a place of like, actually, it is dialectical. It does move back and forth. We do, ha- you know, create a pressure and create a, uh, an energy because of the tension, because of the conflict. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I think that's why, you know, if you have an opportunity to be like a multi-generational community, it's really helpful. And yes. I think if also in the in terms of the book, like the journey when they're on the move there, it's really hard to be extreme because your 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 journey is already so extreme. So it it forces you to be in balance with the community you're traveling with. Yes. You know, and it, it makes you eliminate, you know, it shifts your adrenaline. You know, if you're if you're a power base, then your adrenaline is not geared towards conflict with the people you're with. It's geared towards something else. So when there is conflict, it's not like taking up 80 percent of the energy. Like if you look at yes. some of the, the arguments they have, you know, and they're in the most da- dangerous position. But it's like the argument, well, who's going to go and defend us from the paints? Well, you know, and, yeah. and so you can be like in disagreement, but you don't have time to have an argument. You know, it, yes. it's there's something that is helping you. And then when you get someplace where it's like you have, you can actually take a deep breath and think about and contemplate like that's what's happening. You can think about and contemplate, then your adrenaline has shifted. So yes. I'm like so much of your adrenaline is now in the focus of thinking and contemplation, which I think... <laughs> Like, you know, I have to constantly tell myself, you you need to lose like 60% of your adrenaline to solve this issue because you're bring, you're That's just right. bringing like your your full, you know, your power and and the smallest thing can can change it, you know? It it's That's it's right. like actually time. Like when you're talking about social media and things like that, you know, I told you how I have the practice of if I'm hot and if I have a lot of adrenaline, I can't send the email. I can't send the text. I can't. I have to wait till the next day. And then oh, the yes. next day I get to read it. And the next day it's like, I will never send this. Like, this is crazy. Exa- no, I exa- I'm the same way. I'm, I'm so deeply the same way, Toshi. Now it's almost amazing that like anything makes it to the public. <laughs> you know, like when I when I get into that heated place, like I'm like, I draft things. I come up with stuff. And I'm like, here's the perfect way that I would respond and defend. And, da, 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 da. and then I'm like, I actually mm. use that Buddhist Buddhist practice of, is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? And I ask myself that with these communications, right? Which I yeah. can't ask myself that when I'm pissed because I'm like, it's true. You know, <laughs> do I care if it's kind? No. Um, so I'm like, if I can't access, if I don't care if it's kind, then I wait. And then I wait and I'm amazed at how often the kindest response is not to respond, <laughs> Yeah, you know, you know, and not to engage or, you know, because that heat, you're right. That heat is what Jarrett talks about. That's the, I think is often, it's like a destroyer heat. And so it, it's like, it needs to be used. Well, there are things I it want to destroy to in this world. None of them are in my yeah. community. Yeah. And, you know, and you, and you need to use it sometimes you need to bring it exactly. out, you know, Sometimes that's that's exactly what is needed, but yeah. a lot of times it's learning. And then and then I think generosity, you know, comes to play where when you are actually right, and, you know, you're yes. right, and if other person is fucking up, yes. you know, and you're you can like, you know, you can blast them and you can make them. And you see in this in this conversation when with uh, Marcos preaching is, you know, right away, he just gets to like, nah, you know, nah, double nah, you know, triple nah. And then (laughs) it's like all the nahs are just one after the other. And then Lauren's sitting over there, I'm really surprised he didn't, you know, come with something better. And then towards the end of the conversation, you get these people going, hey, you know what? Like, this could have, this is like this, and this is like that. Now, Marcos is not necessarily available for, for that. But it existed, you know, and that that is is another one when you when you know what would be helpful, 
And the other person is like, and do you, are you generous? And do you like really see that someone is, is in an emotional state or, or being a certain way because they actually don't know how to be any other way than That's what right. they are? That's you know? right. And yep. I mean, I, I deeply think, feel this, like this, this, I think Drake might have said this at some point, but it's like <laughs> people just be online, like, you know, going off, going off online, but it's actually because they're like lonely, right? Ooh. And I want to say two things on this. One is there's something about sitting in the actual power of your ideas. Muraha Yushiba, the founder of Aikido, said, when the universe is at my back, who could stand against me? And I feel some of that when Lauren's talking about her seed and just being mm-hmm. like, yeah, you, you can come talk, but you're going to talk in the context of this thing because earth seed is the earth. The earth seed is our destiny. Like it's nothing's going to come against that. Um, and there's a power in that. She's like, I'm building community, you know, which is it's echoed through the chapter where Gray is like, it would be hell if you left. Like you, you have created something that you are, uh, we are orbiting around yeah. the, the power of the ideas that you have put forward. And I think there is something that happens where that true ideological power comes where you're like, I believe this. And I always feel this when I'm with people who have that kind of deep faith where I'm like, what you have is unshakable. I may not agree with it. I deeply Mm. respect it. You know, I think about that with my evangelical grandfather. That was like, I disagree with the punitive nature of, of your God, but I deeply respect the faith and the respect and the dignity that you walk with. And Mm -hmm. I think he was able to do that for me. Right. It's like we had opposing worldviews in almost every way. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. he was like, you're gay. The scripture does not speak positively about that. I'm like, I still stand in the dignity of my love. That's, you know. And so there was a lot of of dignity in in both sides. I think that's one piece of it. And then I just want to spend some time on this. I had to let him inflict those feelings on himself. Mm -hmm. I think of that as one of the powers that comes with wisdom. And with maturity is Mm -hmm. recognizing like you can say things to people. You can try to give warning. I've been a big sister like, hey, girls, don't do this. None of that matters. People are going to learn through their own experiences. And if if someone's learning because you're telling them something, it's because they came to ask to hear that thing. You know, you cannot teach people what they do not want to learn. You cannot explain something that people do not want to understand you cannot defend something that people do not want to have be whole, right? Mm. None of that's going to work. So it's really like sometimes the only thing that will teach people is what they go through themselves, the conditions that they create for their own learning. And how do you have respect for that? And I feel like that shows up here. Yes. Yes. I, th- I do think, it, you know, as sometimes the story moves like really fast and they don't have yet the like healing necessarily the healing justice movement inside of her seat. <laughs> they don't have it. Yet. They don't have it yet. I don't know if they get it, but it's <laughs> like I mean the the child was abused and raped for years. Yeah. And and years. on on the collar and yep. And, and he, I mean, he was just on a, the time it's almost a decade of time uh or 2026 yeah. when they were yeah, so it's like eight years of time that he's been lost and yeah, owned. and all you know, and and that collar sounds like if you had it, and all the person wanted you to do was like keep their house clean, it's still it, you still cannot tolerate it. Like you yeah. cannot you cannot tolerate it. If they weren't like selling you out and doing all the other horrible things, you still couldn't tolerate it. And so there's just a kind of a way. Where where Lauren is in this like well we're gonna get him to work, um and so yeah. he can learn something and then you know and it's like but maybe it's there other steps that could be taken like right. it's, it's like you know maybe he needs to like you know do some physical labor he seems to like soccer maybe he needs you know yeah. long walks Spend with a, a group of people maybe yeah. he needs. He needs all of these things. And, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of um, her father back in a day where he's learned a system that has been successful and that has saved all of these people and that has held a community, but he doesn't have a lot of fluidity in it. Um, yeah. So he, he, you know, sometimes when he could have been like 
all right, let me try this in a different way. He can't. And I said, you know, I, I think, I guess if you hear so many <laughs> horrible, ordinary stories, you exactly. can kind of think like, well, you had a horrible, ordinary story, but like everybody has. And what we need to do is like get centered with our, with, with our seed on our practice of being community. And those are the most important things. And then you can, over time, fall off of that, you know, um, horrific place that you've been. But that's right. That's, I'm like, well, yeah. and that's the thing is, <laughs> I, I deeply agree with you, Toshi. <laughs> I deeply <laughs> agree with you. Like, I'm like, oh, he didn't need to stand up and be publicly shamed in that community, you know, which was bound to happen. <laughs> it's bringing yeah. this set of ideas into the space unprepared as someone who was, you know, literally just weeks before um, enslaved. Like he, I'm like, what would have happened just if he got just there. had time to rest? If he just had time to rest and play and heal. Um, yeah. And even when he asked that, you know, when he asked that question, just it, what would it have looked like if she had the capacity to be like, we can build up to that. We can build up to that. But right now be here, you know? Yeah. Like or, there's nothing you have to do. <laughs> is there a group of people who want to hear him? You know, as a practice yeah. of like, you know, he's trying to get to something. It maybe would not solve, you know, his his over his big issue. But it is, you know, this might be another like, I don't know what is the question. But if you all like if it's a lot of you who have suffered in extreme ways and you've managed to build some kind of community and some kind of set of 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 living that is very far away from the horrific conditions that you've survived. What do you have left? Like, do you, mm-hmm. is there anything else remaining that would help to create a door from someone who other people's circumstances? Because Dan couldn't stay. And Dan was another young, young man who like got, you know, witnessed extreme things, had, ex- you know, horrible lost his, you know, almost his entire family. And they basically took his family's truck and said, let's make a business with it. <laughs> like the first day he could actually get up exactly. and like, and be a part of something, you know? So it's, yes. it's just a little it's bit like, like they lack that like emotional capacity mm-hmm. beyond the, the, the brief rituals that they have created. And, you know, as you're saying this, I'm reminded of Octavia's self-criticism here. You know, she was like, our seed would not work as a real religion because there's not enough comfort in it. And yeah. You can feel that in moments like this, where it's like, yeah. ooh, ooh, you know, you guys need Harriet's apothecary <laughs> to show up and like, <laughs> you, uh, you, you know, need uh, all you need the practitioners, Adeyemo <laughs> <laughs> to come hold you, and <laughs> yes. yeah. Um, I was also thinking of you know, fan fiction crossovers where I'm like, ooh, this would be a good time for Anyanwu um, to drop in and <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> just be like a mortal healer on y'all. Um, so yes, we'll yes. get there, but we yeah. will get there. Yeah. All right. <sighs> I think we're just going to be being like <laughs> for the rest of this book, you know, and if somebody could just hold people very gently. In yes, there. if this person could and be if, held. If um, this person could be held, that's just what I feel like saying. Yeah. Uh, if this person could just have some time to run around and not be correct. And like, can we hold that? Like, you need. Yes. <laughs> well, and that's I, I do think of that all the time where people, you know, we have this thing where we'll point to someone and be like they're having a mental breakdown. Or someone will say, I'm having a mental breakdown. I'm ha- you struggling. And then it's like we can't hold that. And then the fact that then their actions are all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Or their actions are ungrounded. Or their actions are, they're calling for help. They're calling for help. They're calling for help. And I think so many things happen instead of us answering that call for help. Right? Yes. That we are like, we try to control it. We try to, we're like, oh, we got to you know, stick you in a mental institution or we have to do this. We have to control, control, control. Um, or I can't, I can't fuck with that at all. You know? Um, and I see this happen so often people are like they're having a breakdown, but I'm like, yes. And, and how do they need to be held in that? Has anyone asked if they're actually okay and, and what their needs are and like, you know, do they have a circle around them? And if they don't like, what is that? What is our responsibility as community around those things? And yeah, I think so much of, what I see happening now is this thing like a toxic allyship, (laughs) you know, it's like, (laughs) you know, we run around lighting the fires with them instead of being like, hold on, like, why are you burning everything? What's happening inside of you that is 
where's the paint in you? Where is that burning down energy happening in you? And like, you know, how can we bring light, bring ease, bring space, bring healing, bring healing Mm -hmm. to that, Um, or at least be present. I saw a friend who I've known for a very, 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 very long time the other day post something about how long he has been um, in a place of really feeling mental stability after like decades, decades of regular, you know, breakdowns and imbalance. And, And I think about how many people have like loved him through it and given him the dignity to be like, yeah, we know you struggle. And sometimes we see that struggle and sometimes it's unseen and we still just love you and there's still a space for you. And it's been like that for years and how it makes me emotional. It's just like all that space, you know, it's just like being given permission to be wherever you are because it absolutely makes sense in this world to struggle with <laughs> sanity, to struggle with health, to struggle with there's, you know, where is the room? Can you ever heal from something like what Marcus went through? Mm-hmm. Right? Can you heal without a healer? You know, those, those questions are so real. So yeah, that, yeah. yeah, that's really powerful. And I, I do think that is part of the, you know, for, uh, for humans on the planet Earth, that is part of our, our, you know, learning that we need to do with each other to come out of this, you know, are we going to be people of peace or are we going to be people of extreme violence? And is there no, you know, nothing to else to occupy us, like, in, in ways that aren't so harmful to the planet and to each other? Um, and it's so interesting that, you know, and it's not surprising that he, he is like, you know, Jared, you know, cause Jared, Jared is, you know, Jared is on point. And, um, and I would think about, you know, God, like, you know, I, I remember one time I went to the Jordan river and I was like, this is the Jordan river. <laughs> like, this is- <laughs> I don't know if I've talked about this on it, but you know, sometimes <laughs> no. when you get to go to old places that humans have been around for a really long time, it's so humbling. Like, I mean, all, we're all on old places that humans have been around for a long time, but some of them have stayed like a lot the same, you know? And so when you go to the Jordan River, first it's the part of it that just looks like a creek. Like it just looks like it could be something in your backyard and then you get to the like commercialized space where people will go and get baptized and and I call my um uh, call my grandmother and I was like you know grandma I'm at the the Jordan River and I mean this is the Jordan River this is black people's crossroads into death like we just we sing about it all the time with so many spirituals you know call the Jordan River you know and I was just like you know, and my grandmother's like, what was it? What's it look like? And I'm like, it looks really small. Like, you know, it looks, looks like this. And she's like, you know, like I'm having to tell her, she's like, who's there? And I'm like, it looks like people getting baptized and other people. And I was like, there's a shop. And she's like, what are they selling? I was like, like plastic bottles of Jesus with the Jordan River oh. water in it. You know, <laughs> oh my gosh, she just, she went off. She went off. She started talking about, you know, this, this, um, <laughs> she started talking about, Oh, oh, I don't know if he was black with very light skin or he was actually white, but it was a very light skinned person with green eyes that come into town to preach. And my grandma was like, everybody's talking about this man with these green eyes. I don't even understand this. How can you just win over people with green eyes and saying the Lord's words <laughs> like she wasn't here for it? And then I told her, I was like, you know, well, I've been to all these places and there's, there's no there's no Jesus that's white here. Like I went into all of these different, I was like, you know, he's brown, he's this, he's that. She was like, are you kidding? Like she couldn't believe it. And so it's so interesting, you know, and and humbling to to be on, you know, land that is is epic and beyond and water. And that has moved into, you know, a, a spiritual emotional place that literally gives people access for their journeys in life and in death. And then how people who are facing life and death constantly create with that. 
And, you know, and it was, it was great to like, you know, just see how the time works to call my grandmother on the phone and be like, yo, I, I saw the Jordan River and this is what it looked like. And, and it's, it's like, you can go there right now. Like you can go see it. It's there. Well, I love this because I, I do think that stories are what make things sacred. Like the stories we tell about places over time, um, that's what makes a place sacred. But then, you know, our human practice is what makes things profane. <laughs> so it's, we're just like, we told sacred stories about this place. But every time I've gone to a place where I was like, this is a sacred place. I am in a sacred place. I heard of this sacred place and now I'm here. What amazed me was the commerce around it. And um, I always feel this this curiosity around what it would look like to experience a sacred place without the commerce around it, like a sacred place that was just like, this is just sacred. There's nothing you can buy to take it with you. You can only just experience being here. <laughs> you know? um, maybe Acorn will be like that. Well, so, I just am, I'm moved. I know you're about to close this oh, up. No, I'm like, you know, when you're moved, I'm moved, Toshi. Okay. I'm moved to read the next, the next parable in there. Um, she says to make peace with others, make peace with yourself shape God with generosity and compassion, minimize harm, shield the weak, treasure the innocent, be true to the destiny, forgive your enemies, forgive yourself. Octavia be knowing, Octavia be knowing, you know, I, just a word on this, I recently saw Miriam Kaba post something that was just like, just send in some love to all my haters, <laughs> something like that. And I laughed so much about it, but then I actually let it transform me that I was like, what, you know, what, it, like, I'm at that scale of, of visibility and work now where there's like, there's people who wish me ill. There's people who, you know, they look at me and what they see is wrong. And I'm like, wrong is not my name. You know, I make mistakes. I take accountability for things that, that make sense to me, but but then I was like, well, what if I just offer metta, that metta prayer? What if I just offer love? You know, what if I'm like, that's a call for love. And even if that person doesn't want to receive that love from me, I do want them to receive love. I want them to receive safety. I want them to receive health. I want them to be forgiven. Um, you know, I want them to forgive me if I feel like an enemy to them. Um, so I just noticed that, that I'm like, that is another way to engage an opposing view is... Um, to, you know, I think, I think that's what many of our teachers have tried to tell us over the years is like, love is that force that is larger, um, than all the other forces that is the compelling force that moves us forward. And you can make peace with yourself. And that is, that is the move, right? It it requires every other kind of peace to do so. Um, so I'm glad you, I'm glad you felt moved, Toshi. I'm glad you felt moved. We are Octavia's Parables, hosted by Toshi Regan and myself, Adrian Marie Brown. We are produced by Kat Aaron with help from Kinsey Clark, and our show art is by Krista Franklin. Music for this episode is Always See the Stars, written and performed by Toshi Regan. God is Changed, written by Toshi Regan and performed by Toshi Regan and Bernice Johnson Regan. And God Don't Never Change, arranged by Bernice Johnson Regan, performed by Toshi Regan and Bernice Johnson Regan. I'm so excited. I'm like fangirling in the future. Find (laughs) us on Twitter at OParables. You can sustain our show, our labor, by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash OParables. And you can find transcripts for our show and other delicious treats at readingoctavia.com. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth all that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change.
that you take, 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 take,